Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything that is left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. So before we get started, I want to just say a quick thank you to everyone that listens to the show. I appreciate your support. I love having you here. I love uh, the comments and the feedback that I get that says, you know, you finding, you're finding benefit in this show. If you could share it with some people, that would help us grow even faster and even larger. So last week we talked about the autism spectrum wheel, which I called the autism wheel disorder, or AWD, but then later realized it's probably better described as the spectrum wheel, or ASW. I prefer this for two reasons. Uh, One, I absolutely hate the word disorder as it implies there's something wrong with a person. Someone that has a disorder of some sort or some sort of condition, they have a condition that needs corrected or fixed. And there's really nothing to correct, nor is there any way to fix those that are left of normal. We are actually the ones in our right minds, whereas the normies are the weird ones. So playing on the autism spectrum wheel theme, I wanted to go through some of the quirks that I have learned to mask over the years and how I've designed my life to largely fit in better. Not so much that I feel the need to fit in, but It's more because as a business owner, I have to play the role of a normie in order to make mad stacks of cash, or at least not crash and burn and have to go get a job at McDonald's or something. So I know these are, these traits are what make me left of normal. They make me left of normal, but they're not always experienced on the same level for each person. So first up, we're going to start with one of my favorites. It's eye contact. So I know I mentioned this one a lot, and that's because it's the most prominent feature of being left of normal that I recognize. As long before I even knew what left of normal even was, I knew that eye contact is one of the weirdest and most uncomfortable aspects of living in modern American culture. And it's one that is forcefully pushed upon us and so so much that most people don't even realize it. Now, as an adult, I understand that some eye contact is a good thing and necessary. A quick glance that shows you're listening and then you stare off at whatever. As a child, however, it was a lot harder. And I notice it with my own son And as I I try not to push the issue too much, I try to encourage the eye contact here and there just to make sure he's listening or at least have him verbally give me recognition that he's listening and not focused on whatever object he happens to be staring at or playing with. And I remember there were many times during school or during sporting events where I was told to look up here, Scott as the coach or teacher was talking. Normally, I would just kind of be looking at the ground, at their shoes, playing with a stick or whatever. I was listening because my eyes weren't on their eyes. Now, when I was forced to look up here, Scott, 
Now I have to focus on the eye contact, and there's less focus on the words. So it's often one or the other. Do you want me to focus on your eyes or the words coming out of your mouth? The hardest part, however, is that I don't know the right words, how to describe how intensely uncomfortable eye contact is. And it's not just this I don't like crowds type uncomfortable, but it genuinely makes me nervous and just weirded out. As an adult, I have some ways to overcome this uh, because I have to meet with people and build the relationship in a way that society says is appropriate. I incorporate what I call distractions. The first is to have some sort of a notebook or a computer with me when I go into a business or sales type meeting. <clears throat> that way I can make the occasional glance at the person talking, but then focus more on the note taking, showing that I'm actually really interested in what they have to say. Sometimes that notebook or computer or other device is not an option. And so I'll incorporate a lot of glances kind of off to the side <clears throat> that show I'm deep in thought, trying to come up with the right words. This obviously is not as effective, but it does work and it makes it so I'm not leaving the conversation feeling really, really weird. So let's move on to talking a lot or not talking a lot. Another, It's another one, more or less a defense mechanism. And I've noticed it in myself and in other people that aren't necessarily left of normal. If you head back to episode two, no, three or four, where I tell the story about how I ran my mouth and succeeded in shoving my foot straight into it, I realized, and it wasn't at that exact moment, but more through a series of little mishaps very similar to it, I realized that I could minimize the uncomfortable uncomfortability and the embarrassment if I simply didn't talk so much. But I know there are other people that talk a lot, like my son, who sometimes won't shut his mouth and just talks for the sake of talking. I believe it's a defense mechanism that we're using on opposite ends of the spectrum. If things are silent, he gets uncomfortable, so he fills the air with words. And I see this in a lot of other people as well, especially the right of normal and extroverts out there. They love talking because it makes them feel better and feel good. When they aren't able to talk, they get nervous and uncomfortable. And I'm sure that people recognize this in themselves. So I'd say a good challenge for anyone is to break out of that comfort zone and see what happens when you let down that defense mechanism. For the less talkative types, try to create dialogue that enhances and expands ideas. And for the talkative ones, try to listen more to see what happens if you sit in silence with someone else. That kind of brings us to our next topic of socializing. So I don't mind getting together with friends and sharing experiences. In fact, I often look forward to it and rather enjoy it. 
there are some caveats to understand here. The first is the socialization can't be an obligation. Things like attending networking groups or meetings of that nature feel like an obligation and they're therefore much less enjoyable. But regardless of the intention behind the meetings, behind the gatherings, they are almost all generally tiring because they constantly have to be aware of how other people are acting, how they're talking, and how I need to mimic their style in order to not be completely weird. I'll still be weird, but a little less weird. Maybe a more socially acceptable weird. And depending, depending on the socialization and how much small talk is going on, the events can be more or less tiring. For those who don't know, one of the early episodes talks about small talk, and it's I, it becomes tiring, it's frustrating and dumb, because I feel the majority of it is talk for the sake of filling the air with words. Make those words have meaning, and you can skip that whole small talk dance that drives a lot of people crazy. Now, sometimes the words we use, though, are sarcasm and jokes. These are things that I find delightful, and often completely miss them when they're directed towards me. So I love a bit good bit of humor, I feel, and I feel that sarcasm makes the world go round. I had a boss not long ago that absolutely hated sarcasm. And so I had to disguise my words enough so that he didn't actually catch on and I could use that sarcasm that I love without getting in trouble. I feel it made me a much better sarcastic cynic and a better person for it. Jokes and humor, however go back to the defense mechanism. When you feel like everyone is watching you and judging your every action, you tend to mess up a lot. And then you get laughed at for doing it wrong. But if you mess up on purpose, or if you make people laugh, now you're the one that's in control, you're controlling the room, and it's not as embarrassing. One thing that I see over and over despite my highly refined sense of humor, sarcasm, and wit, is that I often miss other people's humor, sarcasm, and wit. And then I'll catch it later, and when the joke is long gone, and it just takes me a little bit more time. But generally, if it comes across right away, I respond as though they're being serious instead of making a funny So if you're talking with a left of normal, and especially a young one who hasn't fully developed his or her wit-ometer, just go a little easier on them. It's hard enough trying to fit into the world when your brain works differently, and it's even harder when everyone else is silently judging you. So I have a handful more concepts But I'm going to actually break these off into next week's episode because I like to keep these a little shorter so people don't get bored and bugger out halfway through.
For now, you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right. And if it feels right, then it must be left. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Please join the Facebook community and feel free to ask questions and interact over there. Remember that most of the things normies do are weird and make absolutely no sense, but that's what everyone does, so we should all conform. And of course, share this with your friends, whether they are left, normies, or right.